1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Blog Talk Radio. He's a
1: man who's going to tell you like it is.
2: You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss.
1: He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it.
2: Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move.
1: He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people.
2: I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and every week hoping we do this and accomplish our goal every week, empowering you, our listeners, to knowing, doing, and impacting the world around you, being, and impacting the world around you. And... If I don't sound good, it's because I'm not, I'm getting over a little cold. The weather has not decided what it wants to be. Uh, at least this week it's decided to be cold. So, I am cold. And the thing about it is, it's not getting any easier when you uh, try to get over a cold and then the weather keeps changing and you don't get over it. That's where I am today. And I tell you, it's been one one nice little ride. But we're going to try to do what we can this, today in the show. And you just pray for us. Uh, and always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. As we try to make it through this show, uh, you can call in if you want to get your thoughts, insights on the air. two three seven five uh three four seven two three seven five two three zero that's the number to call. Uh the chat line is open so you can get on the chat line. Also, uh the zero page, zero Network page on Facebook. Uh and you know how to get in touch with us. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Prophesy at PastorWenz uh at gmail dot com. That's my email if you want to get that. Anyway, we have a lot going on. We'll we'll try to make the best of we can in this show today. Uh, it is Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the Lenten season, so we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to explain a little bit about Lent. We're going to talk about, uh, committing, sacrificing, and all those other things that accompany the season. Uh, some people for the next 40 days will be giving up quite a few things, you know, some people will be giving up food. Some will be giving up other stuff You know, things, people you know, I don't know, it's a lot But uh, we will we'll, we'll talk about all that um, First let's go to the Lord in prayer God we thank you for the day Thank you that even in the midst of this congestion You're allowing us to do the show We thank you for those who are listening Thank you for those who are uh, Helping us be a success Go with us and stand by us That words in our mouth And the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. And amen again. Well, for those of you who are recovering from Mardi Gras yesterday, from Fat Tuesday, from all the revelry, all the excitement, we wish you well for those of you who will try to make that transition from a party to a fast. It's never been easy. Uh, I... I, I'm talking like I've actually done it. i you know, I, I I did my I only went to Mardi Gras most because of band, you know, I was in band I was a band director and every school I taught at we had we had the um we marched Mardi Gras parades and it was always fun, you know. We do as many as three two or three in a day. So uh but you know, it never, never was anything. Uh, never was anything that was, you know, much revelry. I just always enjoyed the fun, picking up beads off the floor and off the ground, rather, and everything else. I enjoyed the fun of it. But there are some who, you know, have taken it. Those who, especially those who travel, you know, they take it, take it seriously, and they, 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 they go down for the party. Don't stop when the party's over. Some of them, never, many of them have no idea, you know, that technically, carnival, the carnival season culminating with Fat Tuesday. Carnival is a religious holiday for many in the Catholic Church. And, uh, you know, it's the lead up. It is the celebration before the Lent and uh, the Lenten season. And so uh most of them never care about that, they just enjoy the fun. Uh, anyway, so if you had fun during the carnival season that's wonderful. If you are going to go into uh the Lenten season, well this show is for you a little bit. Of course we're gonna talk about black history. And we're going to talk about uh, Really honestly How This should affect you I maybe mean, season should really affect you But we'll see I got a quote I got a, uh, I got a story here About Tina Campbell Tina Campbell is the Second half of the Gospel group Mary Mary and she's got a book that'll be coming out in the near future. There's no specific date. But the book is from what I've understood is a collection of prayers and devotions or or, or whatnot, reflections that she encountered. Uh she she uh she wrote down while she was going through issue with her husband, if you're not aware of the story, uh, about two years ago, give or take, uh, uh, her husband revealed that he had an affair, and of course, if you followed the television show, it talked about that, Um, but it put a lot of strain on her, put a lot of strain on their group, and, uh, well, they pulled through. But according to the article by Christian today, after battling with issues with her husband's infidelity, uh, she's saying that she's using that experience to write a book to help others. And and I, I, I got to applaud, applaud her for taking out the effort, taking the time out for the effort to, to share her story. Uh, I shared this in my church and I, I, many other people, you know, at, particularly for Black Americans, for Black Christians, stories are more empowering than, you know, actually studying a scripture. And it's a, it's a it's it's a two-fold prong on that. You know, it's good and it's bad. But historically, Black people have we you know we responded better spiritually, religiously to the stories. Than we have to the actual teaching of scriptures. It's the stories that seem to bring about, bring about the, the, you know, the power empowerment. Uh, so that's why a lot of black preachers are expository preachers. You know, they tell the story. When I was a kid, you know, we we were told tell the story. You know, when you're preaching, you tell the story. and Go on. And even when you're praying, some 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 old deacons used to pray the story. You know. But we let we relate more to the story and I can appreciate her for sharing her story. Now, what's interesting about this is that in the in the midst of this the article she said that she really had a lot of challenges. She went through depression. Uh, she was having anger issues. Um it's a lot that she experienced and she's as a matter of fact. The article I'm quoting the article here says she revealed that initial reaction. Find out her husband's multiple, multiple, wow, multiple infidelities was to hurt back, and then in the heat of rage she even tried to stab him. Wow. But that just goes to show how um, you know even Christians are not they're not um, they're not non-subjective. And I could have found a better word, but, you know, my brain is really functioning all that well. (laughs) Christians are still subjective to the same issues of life that everyone else is. You don't escape just because you are, quote, unquote, safe. And I used to, uh, at one time, I even taught that, you know, once you save, you know, you save from everything, but that's not the truth. You're not saved to perfection. Uh, you know, you don't stop sinning because all of us continue to sin in one way or another. Thought word, or the deed. But you're saved to an eternal, uh, well, not just an eternal life, but you're saved from uh, the penalty of sin, which is death. You still die, physical death, but not an eternal death. And uh, But anyway... So she's going to write. She's writing a book or publishing a book. I already want to put it, discuss in detail this, this the healing process for her. So I I'm, I, I commend uh, Miss Campbell for doing that. And I understand they went on a fast. She and her husband, and apparently they seem to be doing well now. But that's you know you can understand a lot of that stress that comes from infidelity. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about that if you want to. You can send us a thought. Uh, Share some of your thoughts with that in the chat room or call in if you want to. I want to play a quote real quick. I did not get a chance to do this last week. It is a quote by um, Mr. Paul Robeson. And those of you familiar with Paul Robeson, uh, you know that he was a phenomenal actor, singer, Um, you name it, he did it, Uh, who broke many, many barriers, racial barriers during his time and was an outspoken uh, critic of discrimination and segregation in the South. He was forced to leave the country uh, simply because, I won't say forced, but uh, like many other artists in the early 20th century, early, you know, the 30s and the 40s, where their art or their talent was not appreciated in the states, they were hailed and lauded in others in, in Europe. So many people like Josephine Baker, uh and Paul Robeson, many, many other uh talented African Americans became more successful overseas than they ever did here in the States and they were not appreciated in the States until um the time of you know, civil rights. And most of them were still kind of shallow about participating. They wanted to see their people free. Um, but they were, you know, relatively... Uh, they weren't disconnected. Uh, that's that's not it. The, but they understood uh, that the fundamental systemic uh, racism was the issue. And some of them felt that not much... Some of them said you know felt some of the things they did wouldn't matter. So we know that we're glad that they acted anyway. But I wanna play this this is Paul Robeson and he's on a television show and he's talking about colonialism in Africa. Uh as they as some uh, as the British and Germans pulled out were beginning to pull out of Africa and a lot of the African countries knew African countries were developing or gaining independence, as it correlated with uh, the civil rights movement here in the states. And he presents his insight on that. So let's listen to that clip real quick. Uh, how is it that that the American Negro, who for so long has been a second-class citizen in yes. the United States, still is? I'm sorry. Uh,
1: well, how long, how is it that he's contributed so much to <coughs> American culture? Well, music. Dance, you know. everything you can think well, of. Well, I had to be very modest about that. I would <laughs> say certainly as we look at the African peoples in Nigeria, for example, I just got a wonderful invitation to go to Nigeria to be present at the installation, at the, uh, at the uh, uh, Governor General, Ezekwe, an old friend, mm-hmm. uh, who will not, and I uh, and I had to cable him, I'm in Australia. I certainly would like to be with you, uh, but I'm out here with some good folks, but I'll get to Nigeria later. It so you feel yeah. that Africa... Is to some extent an affinity for it, a home, or do you still feel America is essentially your home? How do you feel? In, with well, let the me come to here. I'll come to that in just a second. But to come back to it, so I would say the Africans and the American Negroes have turned out to be an extraordinarily gifted people. The great tragedy is that by not making us full-class citizens as yet in America, they may be losing I don't know how much yet. And to come back, I would say that unquestionably I am an American born there. Uh, my father's slave there. Upon the backs of my people was developed the primary wealth of America, mm. the primary wealth. You have to have accumulated wealth to start, you know, to build. Mm. You did it another way here in Australia. You, you know, you had to build your accumulated wealth too. Mm. You just came and took it, you know what mm. I mean? And that's what they did in most of the countries. That's what you West. that's what the mm. Europeans did. You just took it. We got to catch up with you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And so in America, so. There's a lot of America that belongs to me yet. You understand? Mm-hmm. But just like a Scottish American is proud of being from Scotland, mm-hmm. I'm proud for being African. Now, in our school books, they tried to tell me that all Africans were savages till I got to London and found most of the Africans I knew in, were going to Oxford and Cambridge <laughs> and doing very well and uh, and learned their culture. Uh, and even once had, well, somebody had the temerity, after one had had. It conquered the Chinese people and imposed upon them the opium trade and everything else to suggest that they were a backward people, just the people who had been civilized so long over the rest of you folks it didn't make any sense at all. So somewhere uh, it was wonderful to find about the colored peoples of the world that uh, they were very advanced. So I would say today that I'm an American who is infinitely prouder to be of African descent, no question about it, no question about it. I'm an Afro-American and I don't use the word American ever loosely again. Now, this was, the feeling, right. this was the feeling
0: uh, That's right. that,
1: that when you, you were in London about 1937, 1938, you really had the world at your feet then. I mean, you you're a tremendous success. You were recognized over the world, and yet you went back to America. Was this, right. this was the feeling that took you back. I you? felt I had to go back to my people. That's right. The, go, the going was tough. Mm. And uh, today I can go back. I just had my passport renewed. I could go back to pretty tough times now. Mm. But any time I could get a telegram next week, that the Negro people had gathered somewhere in one of their conferences, as they could, and say, Paul, in the dif- in the difficulties that are going on in America, would you come back and help us? I would take the plane as soon as I finished my engagements.
2: All right, so that was Paul Robeson. And you heard what he said regarding um, the talent of the African Americans. And Africans, people from the continent of Africa, uh, here are American Negroes and Africans on the continent were very talented, and they were being unappreciated. And I see it as the exact opposite now, uh, with the, with Africans, both uh, Africans and African Americans here in the states. What we're finding is, and now we're being we're still being underappreciated, but we're being over uh overexposed we're underappreciated because we dilute the talent pool with athletes you know athletes and uh in the music area you know we dilute, we dilute it we we dominate it particularly sports and even when it comes to uh uh soccer africans dominate. There are some, some awesome, some of the most talented players are people of color, you know. And you look at it, I watched one of these soccer tournaments. I watched the FIFA one year. And I saw how teams like Ghana were internationally renowned. And how some of their players played with some of the top tier football leagues in the world. And African talent. And those blacks from South America, persons like Pele. You know, we learned about Pele because we didn't know exactly. You know, we just learned black history, but then I realized black. You know, he was not from America, (laughs) but he was from an entirely different continent. Not a different continent, but his talent was what made him world famous. And of course, in the music genre. We can go on and on with uh persons on the world level, from classical to uh world music. It, it's just many it's many wonderful things that we contribute to. Uh now we are underappreciated ourselves. We underappreciate ourselves, you know. We as as a collective do not you know, we don't support ourselves, you know, we buy and I know some people gonna get mad at me, but I know more people who, who buy um bootleg things than actually supporting actually supporting an artist. You know, they don't go to the concerts or if they do go to the concerts, you know, they it's, it it goes on and on. Uh, my my point is is that today African Americans have not we have not used that that big bump that we have called desegregation called the end of apartheid. We have not used that as the aggregate force of empowerment. We have not used that as a means of really changing our situation. There are pockets where it's happening, but it's not as a collective, you know. And that's part of the problem, I believe, uh, is that we're not doing it as a collective. Uh, We don't think we... I personally think a lot of people still feel that they don't need it. A lot of people feel that they have no need to um, promote themselves as a people, part of the collective. They should do it individually where they can make money and... You know that is free market system working, but you know we still need to do better. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, we we'll get into the topic of the day, and we're going to try to do better. Uh, we're going to try to do as much as we can. Y'all just pray with us. <laughs> so we're going to take this break, and we'll be right back after this. It's our favorite. Yours and mine, because we found it together on a walk, 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 love to walk. A long walk, a a walk with you. A walk I smelled squirrels on, but I stayed by your side because I could tell, could feel that you had a bad day and me being bad wouldn't make it any better. But being there was already helping a little anyway. And then we found that wonderful thing, waiting there, waiting for you and me and you smiled and threw it and I decided right when I picked it up I would never ever leave it anywhere ever because that wonderful bouncy roll around thing had made you play and that had made you smile put more play in your day beneficial play it's good for you
1: to think like one. Wall Street before Main Street, profit before people. Well, that's changing. I mean, look around. You see a lot more guys wearing the suits. They're not thinking like suits. What it comes down to is this. Today, you don't have to be one to wear one. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. You're listening to Zero today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal.
0: When we made our commitment to the Gulf, BP had two big goals: help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened, so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. I was part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf, and I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting-edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep-water well cabin, and a state-of-the-art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24-7. We're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world, over $55 billion here in the last five years making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger. is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the Limit to Cash I Earn Every Month card. It's not the I Only Earn Decent Rewards at the Gas Station card. It's the no games, no signing up, everyday rewarding, kung fu fighting, silver lightning in a bottle, bringing home the bacon cashback card. This is the Quicksilver Card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet?
2: those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers, that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving the media because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer, will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. Alright, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. As stated before, it is as Wednesday. It is the beginning of the Lenten season. And there's a lot of people uh this morning. Uh I'm getting a lot of a lot of texts, good morning. And I uh not a lot, but you know, <laughs> it's a lot for me. And I, I replied by by saying, you know, sending Ash Wednesday blessings. And a lot of people, uh, some of my homeboys who are Baptist preachers were like, what exactly is Ash Wednesday? And I'm like, you should know, man. You're a preacher. You know, you're supposed to know the liturgical seasonal calendar. You know, you should be aware of that. And um, I came up Baptist, you know, and I was introduced to the liturgical calendar seasons and, uh, you know, uh Ordinary, proper, you know, all that stuff. I was exposed to all of that. And uh, because I taught at a Catholic school when I was teaching, and I taught at a Catholic school, I was exposed to uh, different mass, you know, uh, and all of that stuff. And I expounded on that, and uh, I studied music and understood how music played a critical role in the Catholic mass. uh, Well, you know, before Vatican II. But Anyway. So, I explained to them what Ash Wednesday was, what Lent is, the season of Lent, the Lenten season, and how that 40 days in most uh, Catholic traditions, Roman Catholic, uh, Episcopal, and uh, those of us who are Methodists who observe it. This is a season of sacrifice. You give up something for 40 days. Uh you know, a little over six weeks uh leading up to Good Friday, leading up to that cultivating moment of the penance that Christ did himself, um, him being the pastoral lamb, the sacrificial lamb, the one who takes away the sins of the world um, so that's what it is and in most tradition, people give up food um some type of food and others give up habits others do acts of service for 40 days Um, it it really depends but the whole point is for the individuals during those 40 days to take take a means take time to not focus on themselves but focus on God now focusing on themselves would involve uh, if they were to do so uh, developing spiritual habits or disciplines, as some uh, some people call them, and and uh, when you're fasting, is devoting that time as as a means of sacrificing. And uh, it, you know, a lot of people actually only do it for forty days and then they pick right back up. In our Bible study yesterday afternoon, as we were discussing. Uh, Let we had some wonderful testimonies from persons who decided that they were going to uh, take out something in their life. Uh, it was something as simple as drinking sodas, eating candy, something that they were, you know, they would usually be addicted to <laughs> or habitual, and they would, you know, sacrifice that for 40 days. And uh, we had several who said that because they did that uh the desire went away for certain items, certain things. Uh uh they did uh one 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 young lady said uh you know she stopped drinking sodas cola altogether. It wasn't in, you know that was her commitment during ash during the Lent season one some some years ago and she has not the Lord has enabled her not to have a desire or to drink you no know, sodas whenever it's offered. Uh we had another person who kicked the habit of smoking uh they called, they they said well that would be a good that would be a good time to stop smoking and uh, the Lord has labeled them to be able to not i think it was four or five years now not smoke and it's you know those kind of testimonies are reaffirming to me that not only is it is it a good thing to to lay down something, to sacrifice something, but it also can be very beneficial. Uh, I, I try not to make, you know, try not to make the Lent season, Ash Wednesday, something superficial. Uh, but a lot of Christians do that. I, you know, that's part of the problem. And I was reading this on a, um, the, the old church, the black church, old Black Church or something like that. I believe that's the name of the... Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, the Old Black Church blog. Uh, you go there and you'll find that the first article that comes up... Uh, well, not the first article that comes up, but one of the first articles that comes up is about Ash Wednesday. <laughs> and the title is It, Jesus Ash Wednesday for the Sinners. And the question is, you know, uh, where are the Christians? Today is Ash Wednesday, which may... 40 days of Lent Sacrifice is beginning. And she poses the question as as I pose to all several of my colleagues today, you know, some of my acquaintances. What are you giving up? What are you giving up? Why? And uh, (laughs) so a lot, you know, most evangelical Christians do not observe uh, Ash Wednesday. And the question that she asks is, if Mardi Gras is all about partying and revelry, revelry, how in the world do you expect to survive 40 days after having do so? And I ain't gonna lie to you, you know, uh, one of the things that I was, I had said I was gonna give up that I really need to for health reasons, uh, was very 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 tempting this morning. I love potato chips, salt, salt potatoes, Lay's potato chips, you name them, any, just about any brands are Lay's, I love. Okay? And, I had to finish off a bag yesterday. <laughs> I had to finish off a bag yesterday, so so that I could, you know, say, I'm going to give it up for Ash, you know, for Lent. And I looked at the garbage can and I saw, I had two bags, because I bought two big bags, knowing that I was, you know, I know, I so the challenge is how in the world. Am I going to live up to, to that? And I'm surrounded by, you know, I go to Walmart and you're going to check out the counter and you're going to see those big nice bags of chips. <laughs> but, and, and, and so that's, I, I wanted to do the segment to help, help give a grasp on what, what Ash Wednesday, what Lenten season should be about. It should be about developing an intimate, a deeper, more relevant, intimate relationship with God. And so I'm proposing a couple of things that I think spiritual disciplines that I think will help you. If you're going to observe Lent, if you're going to give up something, you need to replace that. You know, you need to have a balanced life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, you need to balance. You don't just need to, you know, just cut some off and never have something to offset that. You know, you want to trade. You want to do a nice trade-off. And, and my proposal, my, my thing is if you're going to do a trade-off, make sure it's something as renewing, reviving, and refreshing for you. You don't just want to do something. So uh, I'm going to build some... Some uh, spiritual disciplines. Some of I, some I have practiced, uh, and some I think will be very, very beneficial to you. Um, and I'm drawing some of this from uh, a source. I think every, every, I think it would be very beneficial for you. It's called uh, the God of Intimacy and in Action. It's by Dr. Tony Campolo and uh, Mary Albert Darling. It's a wonderful book we we got this book at a uh pastor a clergy revival, I mean clergy retreat, uh several years ago we were discussing the issue of social justice and we we found a nice correlation between developing the persons who develop themselves spiritually that outpours that their spiritual development outpours and transcends anything else and is expressed mostly through social action and social justice. Those persons who are deeply, more deeper connected carry out the works of the Lord. The Sunday school lesson uh, this past Sunday came from Matthew chapter 25 and the latter verses, I think from verse 31 down to the end, 49 or something like that, but he gives this jesus i gives a a parable, but not really a parable but he he he, he gives allegory to the persons who will be condemned and not condemned rewarded and condemned uh the ones who will get a reward and those who would be cast into outer darkness, eternal fire. Uh, I'm not saying that it means hell, some it has been interpreted to be that, but you know, that's that's not clear. So I'm not even going to that theological argument. But from a from the perspective of service, which is how it's been taught, this particular idea of the sheep and the goat being separated, uh, is a, is more about serving and and rewards, serving the kingdom of God and being rewarded for such. It says those who are rewarded are the ones who fed the, uh, fed the hungry, clothed the sick, clothed the naked, visited the sick, visited those in prison, you know. And Christ said, uh, they asked, well, when did we do it? He said, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Um, and, and And so, the deeper, the more relevant your relationship is, the more intimate your relationship with is with the creator uh when you renounce the hidden things of darkness and of subtilities and of the world and the flesh you find that you have a greater awareness of what god means by justice and a greater sense of act action uh just action so in this book, and and I've applied some of these things. Uh, uh, Doctor um, Darling writes about holy habits, and one of the holy habits, and she she gives you know she says uh, holy habits are things that uh, should be done regularly, and this is what she said. She uh she is we call them spiritual discipline. She calls them holy habits, and it was uh it was popular during these these disciplines were really popular during uh medieval times and Christian and Western Christian uh but it's not as popular today and many people don't practice and those there are those who, who say practicing such is is uh Gnostic or or it's demonic you know I say anything that draws you closer and helps you develop a more meaningful relationship Between God and yourself and others is well worth it. If we all follow the summary of the Decalogue to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, then we realize that if God is giving and loving and just and faithful and love, you know all this stuff and merciful, then it requires the same on ourselves, on our parts, to ourselves and toward others. But anyway, this is what she says. Um, um, Most people have negative energy. Uh, spiritual practice, because we define them too narrowly. A certain idea comes in mind, and for whatever reason, the idea is very appealing. But uh, holy habits or spiritual practice is anything that is done intentionally, done over time with regularity, done with the goal of being formed into Christ's likeness and done with the result or the fruit of growing in love for God and others. Do you understand? Did you hear what I just said? Done intentionally, done regularly, done with the goal of being like Christ, Christ-like, and done with the fruit of growing in love for God and others. Now, who wouldn't want to have such a kind of life? Uh, and the buzzword now is being spiritual. We're finding a lot of y'all. You know, a lot of people don't you know and I say this too, I'm not religious. Uh I don't like being grouped into the religious cause. You know, I am not religious. Religious is system It's systemic and it's oppressive because religion involves uh you know being bound and some people use the term spiritual as a means of saying well we're not bound to any particular liturgical or dogmatic structure or function. And that that's a good thing, you know, that's a good thing. I I I'm Methodist and I enjoy functioning within the uh schematic of the Methodist liturgy. I think uh, particularly the African American African Methodist Episcopal Church, the liturgy and the call to worship I think fits you know my ministry. I can't say for anyone else, um but for a lot of people, you know they just want to be spiritual they don't want they want to be disconnected yet connected and there's, it's, it's there's some there's some liberation in that, but you also have to have some kind of connection um, and those nine times of ten the people who say they are spiritual have those spiritual habits they have no spiritual disciplines. They're just saying that because they don't want to be affiliated with some type of religious institution. And I can understand that. But what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to get, I want you to focus on is moving beyond that schematic. Beyond the boundaries of religion because, you know, this this really isn't a Christian thing. It really isn't. It's a, it, when you're talking about being one with God, loving God and loving others, it, it transcends the religion of Christianity. And a lot of people when we hear this, and I'm going to have a guest coming on in a uh, few weeks, and uh, we'll be talking more about uh, you the know, deeper mystical side, not just the Christian faith. And I've, we, I've talked about this before, and uh, last year, during the season, uh, Easter season, we, we, we doved in it. But I think a lot of people still don't have that that connection. A lot of people are still misinformed about what they can do, what they can't do, what they should do, what they should not do. And I'm all about empowering. So let's 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 get on into this here. What are some what are some disciplines that you can do that will help you uh, move from being self-aware to God-aware. What are some things that you could do intentionally, regularly, that will make you more Christ-like and develop the fruit of loving God and loving others? These are some things that uh, I'll do. The um, prayer of examine. Now, prayer of examine, most of us, we we have an idea about this but what basically is the prayer to examine is basically reflecting on your actions for the day. You you're aware that you did something, you may have aggrieved someone, you may have you may not have reacted uh to to the Holy Spirit in some way. Uh, these are things that uh helps you during the prayer that you 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 discuss during the prayer, or you address in the prayer examen. Um, this was the prayer examine I think probably the most famous person is this Saint Ignatius, who developed something to this. You know, is is really carried out. Really, really, is, is, uh, Jesuits. Carmelites, uh, and these are uh, these are monastic movements in the Catholic Roman Catholic Church, but they have mastered these arts, these disciplines, especially the Jesuits, um, and of course the current Pope is a Jesuit priest. Uh, but the Holy Spirit helps us to uh, helps us to understand that you know. During the day, we do so much that we forget that we sin against God and others, not just by actions but by thoughts, word, and deed. We sin against others. Now we may not recognize that intent. T- again, this is this is it's when you when you're going through this, you're intentionally seeking to find what you have done, and the Holy Spirit can help bring you aware. Um, that you may have done it. That's the prayer of examining. Basically, um, you become aware that you're not really living out the freedom in Christ. You're not really Christ-like every day. And so, the you know, before you go to bed, you just allow time to sit and quiet and then be being, allow yourself to kinda of reflect on your day and then you confess those things. That now that's not the exact model uh, to do it that you know I wouldn't say there's an exact model, but that's one way to do it. Um but you need to you know in doing that you take you know you'll you'll experience the emotions, you know, some some can be kinda intense. But um uh, that's one way to do it. Uh another spiritual discipline. Uh Lectio Divina, oh, which is divine reading, and that is uh, allowing the, the Word speak to you. You read through scripture, you meditate intensely on scripture, and allow the scripture to speak to you. Now, there are a lot of critics of that. Um, for whatever reason, but the task—the task is for you to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you treasure the Word of God, you, like the uh, the psalmist right, uh hidden your Word in my heart, so I won't sin against you." Uh, that's Psalm 119. I forgot what verse. See the no 10, I think 10 or 11, somewhere there uh Or meditating on his precepts Again, if you read through Psalm 119 You, you get an idea of What Lectio Divina is about Allowing the word of God Not only to just be read As sacred literature But to be read as uh Fresh revelation Meaning that Just as you are reading it It is able to speak to you And Empower you To be a bolder Christian be a bolder believer. Uh, now, the best way to do this, of course, you want to make sure that you are uh, able to be in tune with the Spirit of God. How you do that, I cannot, you know, that's an individual thing. But you want to meditate on it. You want to reflect on the reading. You want to then respond to the reading in um, some way. You know, write it down. Um when you're meditating, you just simply you're, you're chewing over it. Chewing over it, allowing your mind latter it allowing it to saturate your thoughts. And then, you know, the last thing is to respond to it. Um, and I personally like uh the way um uh that is mentioned here responding to it by taking the word with you. You know Letting that word go through and stay with you throughout the day, throughout the week, you know, and then it it is carried out through the acts, the various acts that you would do: compassion, contemplation, and operation, or in the Latin contemplio, compassio, and oratio, Um And this last one is what I have practiced for some years and it's been very beneficial for me. When I say very, very beneficial, this has probably been the most spiritually emboldening spiritual discipline that I have practiced and that is centering prayer. And centering prayer is slightly different from uh, 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 the prayer of examine. Because in the prayer of examine, again, you're You're intentionally reflecting on your day, intentionally trying to, you know, get yourself in order and line with the Lord. But in contemplative prayer, centering prayer, you're taking away from yourself. It's all about God. It's all about the Spirit empowering. It's all about the Spirit moving. Centering prayer is probably the most difficult thing to do because... It takes discipline. And what I mean to say, discipline, it takes a lot of discipline because you're, for me, my my means of doing it's in silent prayer. You're sitting in, in silence and um, stillness, and you're clearing your mind. You're, you're waiting on God. Uh, you're abiding in His, you have an abiding awareness. Of, of his presence, of his power, his thought, his words, and all of that, you, you know. And in centering prayer, you, you're yielding to the presence of God within yourself. You're deferring to God. You're waiting and you're surrendering, and you're waiting to hear the voice of God speaking leading. Empowering. Um there are different ways of doing that. Some some um you know teach focusing on the word, some teach focusing on an image, uh some use a prayer uh, a labyrinth and I've I've done the labyrinth. Um walking in the labyrinth uh, and using that as a means of, of centering Yourself centering, your, uh, you know, being quiet, tuning out the environment. But either way, it's really challenging. And it's hard to do. Um, I use this in my therapy as mindfulness. It's, it's, it's a form of mindfulness therapy, actually. Mindfulness, ah, uh, jeez, oh, it's a lot. That uh, Cabot Zahn, I think that's his name, uh. Oh, man, I can't even think of the guy, uh, uh mindfulness techniques is the, it, it is a form, uh, of that. Some would argue that it is that, uh, it, it is basically the Christianized version, uh, of that. Well, however you choose to see it, uh, John Kabazar then. I think that's the name. Anyway, for me when I when I go through this technique, I have a specific place that I, I, I go to regularly. Again, this this is intentional, this is uh regular and those are the two most critical parts uh for for this spiritual discipline. And you know, you you don't have to do it, you know, I've I'm, I'm The Lord has blessed me to be able to go for long periods of time in centered prayer and stillness, you know, being able to distract. down. sometimes I got ADHD. Sometimes I can't go two minutes. (laughs) I mean, five minutes. But, you know, again, it takes discipline to be able to do that, to be able to sit still and quiet and center yourself. Uh, But if you can't, you you know, set yourself, get your timer and set yourself. You don't... And and again, in this particular prayer, this this spiritual discipline, you don't say anything. You are not praying, per se, you know, out loud. But you are being still and you're allowing the soul, your soul to do the praying for you. You're allowing the soul to and connect with the spirit, the divine, and in that, you're being empowered because... Once the body is out of the way, once the mind gets sell- settled and centered and, you know, the distractions uh, are removed, then you can sense the presence of the Lord. And when you come out of there, you have a great sense, a greater sense of awareness of the experience. And I, those are the things, those are just three. And those are the ones that I have practiced in one state of my Christian journey, and I think those are, I think those are good, simple ones to start with. Uh, the examine the prayer of examining simply, before you go to bed, you know, take this moment, designate a place where you can just sit still and reflect, and then pray. You know, if you pray, prayer, confession, whatever it may be, that that's that. Reading divine, reading, getting to the getting in the scripture and allowing the scripture to speak to you. Now that don't mean just reading, you know, you you don't do that reading through a whole chapter, you know. Almost kind of like, you know, uh, exegetical in nature. Line by line, precept upon precept. Kind of, that's how you do that. And allowing the scripture to speak to you and, and through you, empowering you to carry it out. You know, again, that's the Contemplating, that is the, uh, that is the commenting, that, uh, um, and uh, operating, going out, um, and with the centering prayer, just being still. And now, mind you, there are other very, very good spiritual disciplines that you can do. You know, if you want to do yoga, if you want to do tai chi, and all of these things are about connecting to the divine. That's what it's about. This is what lit is about. Lent is about connecting to the divine, renewing and being refreshed to carry out the work of the divine that you know he he, he appreciates. So I hope you enjoyed the show. I, um, I kind of perked up at the end. But anyway, we'll be back next week with another great show. The Lord wills. We'll have some others. we got some great guests coming up in March that we're looking forward to. And as the day goes forth, if you're going to get your ashes, go do so, but make sure, make sure that as you go forth in Lent, you do it with the heart and mind of God. And you next week.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase
1: necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Tax day is coming.
1: Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you